I shared a little bit on it on the, at the camp, but I want to go a little bit deeper today. Uh, and it's the wisdom of building God a house. The wisdom of building God a house. How many want to build God a house? Give me a wave. Uh, I think it's the wisest thing that you can do is to decide to build God a house. Now, we, we realize in the book of Nehemiah, how many remember Nehemiah? The, the people started to build when the uh, cupbearer, Nehemiah, came to ask how the people who were left back home after Israel had gone into captivity, those who were left back, how they were doing. And Nehemiah was not very happy when he realized that the temple of God is in disarray and everything is, is uh, broken down and everything is not working the way it ought, to, it ought to work. So Nehemiah decided to organize people to try and rebuild the temple of God. And we remember that Tobias and Sambalat, how many remember the Horonites, they came together, even though they were enemies, they came together to subvert the building of the house of God. Listen, there is always a conspiracy out there to prevent you from putting your shoulder to the building of the house of God. Amen. Because Satan knows, wow. just as Sambalat knew, and Tobias knew, and then the Arabian uh, general also knew that if these people are able to get their relationship with God back, mm. every other area of their lives will fall into place. Yeah, right. Are you with me? Yeah. If only we can build our relationship with God and build our, ourselves the house of God. You see, one thing you must understand, I'm preaching already. One thing you must understand that building the house of God is not necessarily building a building. It's not necessarily building a church. It's not necessarily building a branch. But it's also building yourself. You will see in 1 Peter 2, uh, 15 downwards, it says that you are a living stone. You are a living stone that is part of God's building. We'll come to that in a bit. But I want you to understand something. I'm giving the background uh, to the, the story before we read it. So, they asked uh, uh, Nehemiah forced to try and build. What we are not told was that the Sambala, Tobias, and the Arabians were able eventually to stop the building. So that even though they tried, they got to a place and they halted the building. See, Satan doesn't relent. He will come and come and come and come till he gets to the point where he stops you from relating with God. He will start showing you how church people are bad. He will start putting people in, 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 in places to, 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 to hurt you. People in places to prevent you from serving God. People in places to help you to, to prevent you from going up with God. So that you get to a point, point you, this church whole church thing is... It's, listen, let me, let me just, it's easier to just mind my life. How many understand what I'm trying to say? Than to build. So they got to the place where they stopped the building. 
So for 520 years, the building was halted. 520 years. The building of the temple was halted. Remember that the people were in exile. So when uh, Nehemiah came back to build, he was trying to build with just a few of the remnants of Israel. Are you with me? But the majority of the people had been taken to exile. So we can have between Nehemiah and Haggai, you have books like uh, Daniel, and you have all those things, which was written uh, by the people who were in exile. Are you getting the story? So 520 years moving on, we have people coming back to say that, listen, it's time to build a house. So you will see that Zechariah was writing at the same time as Haggai is writing, at the same time as Micah is also writing. So you see all these are writing about the temple of God. And they are writing about how they need to get God, their relationship with God back. And you see that just after they, they got their relationship with God back by rebuilding the temple, they came out of exile. You know, when you get your relationship with God built up, you come out of every prison that Satan has put you in. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Every prison, you come out when you are able to rebuild your relationship with God. So come with me to Haggai chapter 1. Let's read. It's a long, long passage, but we're going to read it because I want you to get everything, the context of the protest of the text. Amen. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, you see, anytime you are reading this particular Haggai, Zechariah, Machai, watch the year, the, the, the beginning, when they tell you in the sixth month of this king, of that, you, it will help you to see the year or the age that they were writing in. Am I making sense? Because you realize that it's, it's around the same time. Amen. When you look at Ezra, same thing. He starts around the same time. So in the second year of the king Darius, the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, the governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, that, speak to the, that speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, these people say the time has not come that we that the house of the Lord's house should be built. Amen. How many know that Satan will always tell you that this is not the time? This is not the time. You have more important things to do. You have uh, uh, studies to think about. You have uh, children to look after. You have business to start. This is not a time to spend wasting on God. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. These people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your own paneled houses and that this temple should lie in ruins? <laughs> now therefore that says, to the, that says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. 
You eat, but you are not, you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink, isn't it? What verse am I on? Verse 6. You clothe yourselves, but you are not warm. He who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. And that says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. How many can relate with what we have talked about so far? And when you brought in it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. Amen. Which means that you are walking under a curse. In Deuteronomy, it says that the heavens will become like a brass. When the heavens is like a brass, it means the rain doesn't fall on the ground. So anything you are doing is cost 90. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Anything and everything you are doing is called 90. It doesn't work. Amen. All right. So what, what verse am I on? For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains of the grain and the new wine and the oil on whatever the ground brings forth. No men, on, sorry, on men and livestock on all thy labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shatiel and Joshua the son of uh, Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnants of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. And as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Amen. And Haggai's so Haggai went on, organized them. So this is the second time or the second attempt Nehemiah tried before. Now second attempt to rebuild the house of God. The people, the same remnants, this time are coming together to say that we did it before, it didn't work. But this time we are going to see to it that it is finished. Have you read this scripture that says that the hands that have started will be the hands that will finish. Zerubbabel has started and his hands will finish. It's not by might, not by power. How many remember that scripture? It's around the same time. Zerubbabel is a guy who is the high priest, who is organizing and orchestrating the rebuild of the house of God. It's always fascinating that the high priest is always part of the uh, people that organize us to rebuild. The pastor is always the, the, the starting point to get us to see that it's time to get my relationship closer to God. Are you with me? It's his duty to organize us. It is my duty to, to, to push us to do our best and get closer to God. Hallelujah. So we are going to be doing a rebuild. Never ever think that you have done enough. Never ever think that you are building so you are okay. No, there is a new level and a new height in God you and I can get to. You see, in rebuilding, you must never look at the past. 
Oh, I, I won five souls last year. I, you know, I was very close to God. I did this, I did that. No, 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 no. Today is a new day. What are you doing today? Amen. You're always judged by today. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not about the past. Amen. I say it's not about the past. Touch your neighbor and tell them it's not about the past. It's about today. Amen. All right. So I'll leave you to finish the, the scriptures. But come with me to 1 Peter 2.5. See, I said to you that when, you, when we start talking about building the house of God, it is not only building a great church with many branches or building a mega church in one place, but it's building you and your relationship with God. Let's read 1 Peter 5 to 9. 1 Peter 2, 5 to 9. Or we'll read to maybe 10. It says that you also as living stones. You know we use stones to build, right? Don't we use stones? Are you awake? The way you are not minding me, I'm wondering. It says that you also as living stones are being built up. A spiritual house. Amen. So living stones are being used to build a spiritual house. Amen. And you are part of the building of that spiritual house. Because you are the stones that is being used. Am I talking to somebody? All right, let's move on. And he said, no, no, no. Go, go to, have I finished reading the scripture? No, no, go down. Go, let's go up. You also, as a living stone, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's a lot of meat in there, but I'm going to leave it alone because it is not every sacrifice that is accepted. It is holy sacrifice. That is accepted. The word holy is not necessarily sanctimonious. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, when you pie sinless. No. When we say holy, it means totally dedicated. You know, when you go into the, the, the temple of God, as Moses and, uh, gave the instructions, he says that some items in the temple are holy unto God, which means that they are solely dedicated for the use of God. Are you with me? So those things are not shared. You don't use uh, the, the table, you know, or the brazen altar to do something else. It is only, it's holy unto God for spiritual and ceremonial cleansing. Am I talking to somebody? So he says that it's a holy sacrifice. That's a totally dedicated sacrifice. That is what God is looking for. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Amen. Amen. Therefore, to you who believe, he is a precious, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Amen. Amen. So you see, he's talking about the building, but he's really in essence talking about our relationship with God. Building our house where God can fellowship uh, with us. Am, am I talking to somebody? I'm trying to lay the foundation, so please bear with me. Next verse. 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to others. Is, are you getting it? They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they are also or they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Let's read the last verse. Who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are talking about the house of God. You realize that, that when we talk about the house of God, the first mention, the, every time you're reading the Bible, the first mention is very, very important. Because the first mention tells you exactly what that particular thing they are talking about is really standing for or is to be used for. The first mention of the house of God can be found in Genesis chapter 28, where um, Jacob is running away from his brother Esau. How many remember the, the, the story? And he gets to a place and it's in the evening, so he decides to lay down his head. And there he slept, and in the night he had a dream where the there was a ladder that was going from the earth to the heavens. Are you in Genesis 28? Find, find where I am. He dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached the heavens where the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give you and your descendants. Uh, also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. Amen. I think I need to slow it down so you can understand. So go back to the 12. Let's start from 12. So the house of God is a place where divinity meets humanity. Are you with me? A ladder is set. And the top of the ladder goes to God himself. And the Bible says God stands at the top of the ladder. And you and I stand at the bottom of the ladder. And angels are descending, ascending and descending, which means that they ascend to take our petitions and descend to bring us God's answers and God's favor and blessing. Are you with me? When we build the house of God, what we are building is a place where divinity meets humanity. It's a place where we invite God into our human existence. When you build your relationship with God, you are essentially opening an avenue where God's, God's manipulation can come to play. You see, the, 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 the earth as it is now is in the hand of Satan. I think it's 1 Corinthians 4.4. You see that the God of this world is Satan. Are you with me? He is the one who is he's the God of this world. But when you build God a house, in your little sphere or your little domain, you invite divinity, which is God, to operate in the affairs of humanity, which is you. 
Are you getting it? So when we build a house like this for God, what we are doing is we are making it possible for people to have God come into their lives. We are building a place where people can come in and have God orchestrate their lives and change some things. How many will say of the truth, God has changed some things in your life? Some things you didn't deserve, God has given you. And it happens where heavens open. And the heavens open at a place where we build for God. Amen. When you build an altar for God, he comes in to stay. Anytime any people organize to build a building for the house of God, he comes in to stay in that place. That is why in our lifetime, in your lifetime, my lifetime, we must endeavor to build God a house. Amen. And I'm not saying that only spiritually. I'm talking about physically. If you can, help to build a house. Help to build. And it's not as expensive as you think. In a certain part of the world, 5,000 pounds will build the whole church building. And once it is built, heaven comes to live there. Heavens just come to occupy there because the ladder goes from the earth to the heavens and God is at the end of the ladder. Amen. When you build your life, God comes in. When we build a church, God comes in. When we organize people, you see, a church is not made up of just the building, it's people. So when we bring people into the house of God, we are building God a house. Are you with me? Because we are living stones. And anytime we organize people to come, God comes in. Hallelujah. And let, next verse, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac. Which means anytime God, you see in the Bible, anytime God mentions I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, it means God is about to make a covenant. I'm not making sense. God is, a covenant is an agreement between two parties. And anytime God comes, he says that I am ready to make a covenant. If you do this, I'll do this for you. If you do this, a covenant is between two parties and you need something, I need something. So if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And he says, if you serve me, I will bless your land. I will give you the blessings. Hallelujah. So he says, I am God of your fathers. In this place that you are about to build for me, that is where I will show you my grace. And as I was with your father, Abraham, and your father, Isaac, I will be with you. Just because you have come to this place where divinity meets humanity. Amen. Next verse. Let's read up. And also the descendants shall be your descendants. Can you see now God is giving a, a bargain. He's giving his covenant with man. He says that I am God of your fathers. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in, the, in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It, it's amazing that when we are doing a covenant with God, God normally gives us much more than we can give him. <laughs> Are you with me? It's like you come into agreement with a multi-billionaire and you can give, uh, what do you call it? 100, 100 pounds. The billionaire says, if you give 100 pounds, I will give 
his equivalent of 100 pounds is probably a million or one billion. Are you with me? So your equivalent of 100 pounds is, and his equivalent of 100 pounds is a good agreement. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a covenant is between two, two equal parties. When you go to get married, it's a covenant between two equal parties. But when you say equal parties, we don't come with the same thing. What I bring to the table is 100%. What you bring to the table is 100%. But my 100% is different from your 100%. So your 100% is maybe 1,000. But my 100% is 1 billion. But we are coming. So if you bring 100, I'm bringing so 100, uh, 1,000 to 1 billion. And it's equal. So anytime we set a covenant with God, that's what we are doing. Are you with me? Because God's 100 is not our 100. And he brings 100. His hundred and our hundred is that's why when you pay tithe, it's just ten percent. But your ten percent and his ten percent, there's a difference. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. There's a difference. If you look at Malachi chapter three, you see that when we bring the tithe, which is one, he brings seven. Our one blessing to his house, he brings open heavens, pouring out a blessing. Making you uh, uh, an envy to your your your, the, your land being very very envious. Everybody want to be in your land. It's seven blessings as against ten percent. Hallelujah. So he says that if you are going to be with me, if you are going to uh, 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 dwell in this house and make a house of God, a house for me, I'm going to give you all these blessings. Next verse, verse fifteen. Quickly, please. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Amen. Now, look at, look at something. The man hasn't even done anything. Are you, are you with me? God is saying, I am going to be with you. I am going to bless you. I will make this land great. You expand to the left, to the right, to the north, to the south. And your descendants shall be blessed. All the, the whole earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And all these things are before even Jacob takes a step. Just because he located the house of God. See, there are people whose blessings are locked in this building. And they don't even know it. And they are waiting on you and they are waiting on me. To bring them here to connect them to their blessing. Because Jacob didn't take us, they didn't do anything. He was just wandering, running away from his brother, running and running until he landed in the house of God. He didn't know anything. But as soon as he landed, a covenant was made. And the covenant was made in such a way that God starts to bless him. He is with him, He's blessing everything he does. He, and he's going to ensure that he comes back to this place. Even before he takes the next step. Am I, am I talking to somebody? Next verse. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Listen, the Lord is in this place. I said, God is in this house. I don't know whether you know it or not, but God is in this place. That is why we must not treat this place 
without fear and reverence. We must not treat this place disrespectfully. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's a certain reverential fear you must have. Am I making sense? Because God is in this place. Once this house has been built and dedicated to God, that's his house. He comes in. Are you with me? And this is Jacob. Next verse quickly. And he was afraid. How many of us are afraid of the house of God? Look at the things we do before we come to the house of God. Look at the things we do even in the house of God. Some, some of us, is the house of God we come and gossip. Some of us, the house of God, we come and plot evil things about people. It is the house of God we come and even uh, take people's husbands and people's wives. Uh, there is no fear. I said there is no fear. Now the house of God has become a, a picking up place. A place where boys pick girls or girls pick boys. So you know that you are coming to the house and you see them packaging, they are never, never saying, pumping it up and putting things so that people will see that, hey, I am. Jack, where are you? <laughs> There's no fear. But Jacob is saying that I was afraid. And I said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. You see, the house of God is an awesome place. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The house of God is an awesome place. The house of God is a place where we must be afraid. Amen. The house of God must be a place where we relate with God in a certain reverential way. Hallelujah. A certain way where we know that this place I'm going, God is there. You don't get up and come to church just like that. You spend time in prayer. You spend time to prepare yourself. You don't just get up and go to the queen's Buckingham Palace to go and meet the queen like that. How many know what I'm talking about? You go and buy your nicest suit you have never worn before. Isn't it? You bath about five times. How, how many know what I'm talking about? You fix your hair, fix yourself. You prepare inside and outside because you are going to meet a mortal being just like yourself. Am I, it's my time up. The way you are waving at me, okay. <laughs> it's not easy for me. Oh. <laughs> he was afraid. How awesome is this place? There is none other. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Remember, I said to you that anytime you see gate in the Bible, it's not talking about the, the entrance, entry point. It's talking about the inner chamber of chambers. The place, the war room where they take decisions. You see, when you go to uh, 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 London, you go to Westminster, there is a room. They don't go in all the time. When there is Iraq, when 9-11, when they started bombing, they went into that room. Because when they go into that room, it's only the, the prime minister and his cabinet. Even other MPs are not allowed there. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So it can be conservatives. No, not all of them are allowed. It is the 12 or the 13 or the, I don't know how many uh, secretaries we have. I think it's about 13 or 14. 
but they are the only ones allowed with the prime minister. And then you have the army generals, the uh, air, marine, and then uh, land, and then uh, the MI, MI5 intelligence. Those are the only people that are allowed there because that is where they take very crucial decisions that affect the whole country. Are you with me? So he's saying that this is the gate of heaven, which means that this is the place where decisions are made in heaven that affects the earth. Are you with me? If you want to change anything in your life, this is the gate of heaven. This is the place where you change everything in your life. You want to change anything. Because when they, they change things in the cobra room, it affects the nation. When uh, was the guys who entered and to go and bomb Afghanistan? Tony Blair. When Tony Blair entered and received a phone call from George Bush and agreed that they are going to bomb, that was it. Britain went to bomb. France decided, they also went into their Cobra room and they came out and said, we are not joining America, the Allied people. France was the only country in the G7 that didn't join America to go and bomb Afghanistan. But he said, no, if people have bombed, bombed you, why are you going to bomb Iraq? The people who bombed you, they are from Afghanistan. And you want to go and bomb Iraq. Does it make sense? But it makes sense to Sudanese Blair. <laughs> are you getting it? And the other allied people. It just, I, mean, I, I think about it sometimes and I wonder. It's like, this person has hurt you. They decide, okay, we are going to bomb these people. They are, they are friends. They are <laughs> because they, they are, these people support them. <laughs> but that was Judge Bush's psyche. And got people like Tony Blair to join. And see, it was, that decision was made by about 18, 19 people. On the behalf of 60-something million, 68, 70 million people. And we all had to suffer the consequences of it. Up to today. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Because in the house of God, well, the prayer that is made here, you see, the prayer you make here is different from the prayer you make in your home. I don't know whether you have understood it. The prayer you make at the home is not as effective as the prayer you make here. Trust me. Because this is the place where God has dedicated to be. God is everywhere. It's true. But God was outside the Bethel but he didn't reveal himself to Jacob. It was only when he entered loose or Bethel, the house of God, that was when God said, let me show you who I am. Amen. 